0: episode we read Train Happy by Tally Rye. I'm super excited to be able to jump into this interview. I think you're really going to like it because it's a topic I've kind of been harping on if you've been a longtime follower of this podcast. But before we do that, I just want to fill you in on the latest with the Better Body Image Book Club Some of you know a few weeks ago I started talking about how I was creating this free book club and if you are on my email list you are already a member. Essentially we pick a book or I pick a book and we kind of chunk it out every week with a certain amount of pages or chapters that need to get read and then every Wednesday you get an email from me that has some Thoughts about the book, uh, the main points are kind of pulled out, or what I think are the main points are pulled out. You get some quotes from the book, journaling exercises, discussion questions, and this book club is just going to build. So right now, it is a weekly email and a brand new Facebook page, which is pretty exciting. So. Once you become a member, once you get on my email list, you can jump over to Facebook and just search for Better Body Image Book Club and you will find us. And this is going to be a safe space. So you will have to just answer a question to get in. And I really hope that you read the guidelines because bottom line, we don't talk about intentional weight loss and there is no bullying or shaming allowed. And if somebody comes on Legitimate questions are allowed, but if we find any of the bullying or the shaming or anything like that, that feels like it's creating a space where bodies are not welcome for whatever reason, that person will be blocked. So I take that really seriously. What's cool is that we're all going to be reading this book together. And bottom line, I have started a lot of these things, most of these things, because I just want to talk to people about body acceptance books. I want to know what you get out of them. I want to know what appeals to you about them. I want to know how they've changed your life and how what they're saying, their messages have manifested in your life. And I'm super excited to talk to people about this. So I really hope that you go ahead and jump into that Facebook group and start talking with me because I'm just excited. If this sounds kind of interesting to you and you're like, I don't know what the heck, uh, I'm not a member. How do I get on to be a member? All you got to do is jump over to my website, IWishIWereMe.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. And you just grab your copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. That's it. Once you get that, then you are on my email list and you will be receiving the emails. You'll get all the updates. You'll see what hap- what is happening with the book club. So hopefully I just sent the very first email out the other day from this day of recording. So I'm hoping that people are getting excited and are liking what they're reading because the book that we are reading this month is amazing. Oh, the other thing I should mention is that what's really cool is that the, I've mapped out the books for the year. Some people may go, oh, that kind of sucks. I kind of wish, you know, you kept it hidden and surprised us. But some of you might like to know what the books are to know whether or not it's worth investing in this book club, not monetarily, but time wise. Is it worth it? So if you get on to my email list and you get the weekly emails at the bottom of the weekly email is a click here for the rest of the books of the year (laughs) and That will tell you exactly what we're reading. So for this month, it's Beauty Sick by Renee Angeln. And then next month, we're going to be reading Body Respect by Lindo Bacon and Lucy Afremor. Okay. With that, really quickly, I want to jump into the One Fat Girl's Journey segment. This is kind of, it's going to be brief only because I don't know that I have actually got my head fully wrapped around what happened at this point but I kind of want to jump in and talk about it because it was pretty impactful for me so just before I left where I was living so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while you know I moved back home to my hometown in September and just before I left I had gone to see my doctor and she had taken my blood pressure and it was a little high. Which doesn't, you know, kind of tracked because I had been going through a pretty stressful time at that point. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, But because, you know, there's some genetic factors here and so she wanted to make sure everything was okay. So she suggested that for two weeks I track my blood pressure. And I am... A rule follower. I mean, a rule follower who crosses every T and dots every I. So when she said track it for two weeks, I tracked it for two weeks. Even on the weekends, I went out and found myself one of those blood pressure machines at a pharma- pharmacy and got her done. And what she said was, you know, these are the numbers. If you get these numbers uh, when you start going regularly, then come back and see me. Well, what happened was I saw those numbers, maybe one or two days, but most days I was pretty, pretty low actually. So I sort of went, okay, there's no problem here. I didn't go back and see her. I moved. And then very early in October, my uh, life insurance plan came up for renewal and I had a nurse come and visit me and she took all my vitals. I didn't really think too much of it at the time. I mean, I knew my weight had gone up since five years ago, so I was a little worried about that, but I didn't really think too much when she did my blood pressure twice. Twice, It just didn't, it didn't really register with me. And my, uh, the person who handles all my life insurance, she got a letter back just last week saying that, uh, they can't. They can renew my insurance, but it's going to cost me. I'm going to be paying 150% more than what I was paying because there was high blood pressure. They've decided that my blood pressure was too high. Since I've been doing this work, I stand up for myself when people talk about my weight and they don't do it very often. But I've never had someone come at me or tell me, that there's something wrong with my body that doesn't have to do with my weight. And all of a sudden I was filled with a sense of shame about my body, a sense of feeling like I was broken and not really knowing how to handle it. Because in past, if someone had said something was going on medically with me, I would immediately assume that I needed to lose weight. I think a lot of people come to those conclusions. So, so I guess I was, I I didn't know how to handle it. And I spent a couple days really sitting in this place of knowing I shouldn't feel ashamed and still feeling ashamed and feeling broken and not knowing how to fix myself, not even really knowing where to begin. And I think that I'm still feeling that way a little bit. I am recognizing that There's a lot of factors in play here. I have had a pretty stressful time. This move was stressful. The breakup of a very long relationship was stressful. The um, moving in with my family and trying to figure out how I'm going to make a living is still stressful. And it's, and and not wanting to return to a job force, especially in the town I'm living right now that I know is going to be completely inadequate for what I need financially, it's very stressful. And I'm not, I feel like that is part of it. I also feel, like I said before, there's genetic factors at play here. And so it's not really that abnormal that this would be coming up. But at the same time, it made me want to immediately run out and... (laughs) do all the things, right? It made me want to, even though I was like, no, I'm not going to diet. It made me want to immediately, you know, stop eating all my favorite foods and start looking at a heart healthy diet plan and start, you know, running or something, not running, but you know what I mean? Start moving my body more. And it made me want to start doing all these things. And what this has done at this point for me is it has made me frozen. I am not doing anything. I am not trying to find a doctor in order to find out if there's really an issue here and maybe I need some medication. I am not trying to up my health game besides what I had already kind of decided I was going to do at the beginning of the year. And I'm, I, I haven't, um, you know, just kind of gone into a I'm not doing absolutely anything at all mode. I'm, I'm frozen. I'm completely frozen. I don't know exactly how to handle this. And that's why I say I don't really have a lot of conclusion here, (laughs) just that this is something I'm dealing with. And as a fat girl on a journey living her life through a body liberation lens, I felt like it was something that may come up for other people. And if it has, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, that's where I'm at. I'll have more for you, I'm sure, at some point. (laughs) So I want to introduce my guest. If you've been a longtime listener of this show, you know that in past episodes, I have talked about how intuitive body movement is not something that gets regularly discuss- discussed in the anti-diet space. And I feel it's important. Uh, my past with fitness has been rocky. <laughs> and so I feel like it is definitely something that needs a bit more attention. The thing is, is there's not a lot of books around this topic. There's a few, but there's not a lot. And I started talking to Jenna on Instagram. And when her and I went back and forth, she suggested this book. And I had never heard of it before. And I'm so glad she suggested it. I'm so glad her and I were able to talk. And I'm so just fortunate that we were able to discuss something that I really think is lacking in the intuitive eating, uh, health at every size, anti-diet space. So this is going to be a bit of a deep dive. Let me introduce you to my guest. Jenna Jozevowski is a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer, kettleball instructor, yoga teacher, and dance teacher, and has been working in the fitness industry for over a decade. Jenna is a body positive fitness alliance affiliated professional and believes that fit looks different on everybody. Through her online group coaching program, Tough Love Strength Club, she helps active women ditch perfectionism with exercise and learn to lift smarter so they can get stronger without diet culture BS. Learn to work with Jenna and read her blog on her website or connect with her on Instagram. Both of those will be linked in the show notes below. Here is my conversation with Jenna Jozefowski. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Hi, Jen. It's great to be here. Before we jump into the book, uh, we're talking about Train Happy by Tally Rye. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your body movement journey? Sure.
1: So I grew up always loving movement. I have been a dancer since as long as I can remember. And so that was my first introduction to movement. It was always a very joyful thing for me. I think from the get go, I never really played sports with balls, but I loved gymnastics <laughs> and was always just a very high energy kid and teenager. And then things started to change a little bit as I got older and I realized that body size was the thing that I needed to concern myself with, particularly as a dancer. And so I started working out to cross train. I think it started out pretty well intentioned as Mm -hmm. it often does. And then it quickly spiraled down this rabbit hole of compensatory, just just garbage. I don't even want to say some of the stuff that I did because I don't want to teach anybody to do those sorts of things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it quickly got really obsessive and really disordered really fast. And it stuck with me for a long time, really uh, through dance. I then wound up getting my yoga teacher certification from there that went into group fitness from that. It went into personal Mm -hmm. training So I kind of got into all of it and it was from this place of genuinely loving it, but also very much being kind of desperate to look the part. Mm. And I got out of that by kind of an interesting turn of events. I often joke that I found my way to the kind of work that I do because I really didn't have a choice. I, I had some thyroid issues and some other stuff that came up that caused me to gain weight and just some weird health stuff going on with me that made me kind of realize that I didn't have as much control over my body as I thought I did. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to accept this now. So here we go. And through that process, I I, I kind of realized how messed up the fitness industry is And how many damaging things I had been a part of. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was like, there's still so much good in this, you know, in spite of like all of the fitspo and the garbage and like the terrible fat shaming messaging. I was like, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of good to be found in here. And so instead of just like quitting my job (laughs) and doing something different, I'm like, let's just call out the bullshit and... And, and try to provide something different for people, you know, extract wow. the good. Yes. How
0: was that transition for you? Was it a rocky one? Was it filled with ups and downs? Or was it just a like kind of a gradual transition to move over to something more like intuitive movement kind of thing?
1: I think it still is a transition, <laughs> if we're being honest. And I don't, I don't think it's ever going to change. You know, when you hear about intuitive eating, which is something that I think a lot of people, in this world are familiar with Mm -hmm. they talk about this pendulum swing of going from diet culture to anti-diet and then swinging back into the middle and what feels good for you and I think there was this place in the beginning of being all in with the diet culture stuff and being like oh shit this is terribly wrong This person over here, who's like the coolest person in the anti-diet movement, I put that in air quotes, like the coolest person says that movement needs to look this way. So I need to do it this way. And I need to say this and I need to do this. And Mm. I think more recently I've been coming into my own, like, okay, there really is a lot of gray area in here that we can play in and it's going to look different for everyone and joyful movement is going to look different for everybody and almost kind of questioning this like rebellion for the sake of rebellion mm, 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 mm. <laughs> which you know we all do in all kinds of ways it's like that that questioning of like okay what's actually true for me here
0: yes 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 it's rebellion for the sake of rebellion i love that so what let's start off kind of jumping into the book a little bit here what is diet culture what do you define diet culture as and then and let's look at it through this lens of fitness because i know i mean that's kind of the angle you're coming from so uh how does diet culture i think we talk a lot about dieting for diet culture but what does fitness look like within diet culture
1: how much time do we have? Yeah. Right. I did a a whole (laughs) blog post and Instagram series on this because it's to sum it up, diet culture is this whole system of oppression. And Mm. it's this like soup that we're swimming in that we don't even necessarily realize what it is. So I like to use examples. It's this notion that's pushed on us, I think by the fitness industry a lot, that weight loss is automatically healthy at all costs, which is false. It's the before and after photos. It's the it's the no excuses. It's, it's the team no days off. It's all of the things that we do in the sake or for the sake of quote unquote health that are actually quite the opposite of healthy. And if you look at images, like if you Google right now, like fit person, what do you see? It's those images that saturate everything and make you feel like if you're not like, you know, a 20 something year old white woman with a six pack and you know, a thigh gap, but like a big butt and a small waist that there's something wrong with you. Yes. Or that fitness isn't for you. hmm and mm. that's how, that's how it shows up in diet culture. And I really hate that mm. because it pushes so many people away. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Makes them feel not welcome. Exactly.
0: Well, and you said you kind of started off in dance and you moved through quite a number of modalities and yoga was included in that. Um, I did some bodybuilding competitions, but I was also a yoga teacher. So can you speak a little bit to how diet culture looks slightly different when we're talking about different modalities, because I found yoga embraced kind of a different idea of what the yoga body was, as opposed to bodybuilders who embraced a different, this is what a bodybuilding body looks like kind of idea.
1: I'm so glad that you said that because I find not to go off on a tangent that a lot of the recommendations that people who are not fitness professionals give about movement in an anti-diet setting is walks and gentle yoga are the way like just do (laughs) yoga but i found the yoga community to be a different kind of problematic in the sense that it was sneaky it was all about wellness and like just have your eight dollar green juice and your your hundred dollar leggings and like don't don't pick up weights don't pick up weights that are more than two pounds because you might get bulky. We need to be like long and lean, but love and light.
0: <laughs> yep. yep. You know? Yeah. No, it, it was, they're completely different, but they, they're both their own beasts, you know? And when you kind of come, try to come out of it, they, it can be very, very difficult to come out of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I think I actually had the reverse experience of a lot of people because I was more involved if we're being honest in that, that yoga type Mm. of, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of diet culture. And I actually didn't really get super into strength training until after Mm. that was, Mm. that was kind of my second coming. And that was a form of rebellion for me in a way that I, that I came to love because it gave me permission to like show the effort and be ugly. You know what I mean? Mm. Instead of like being pretty and dainty, it was kind of like, like, fuck you. I'm going to get bulky. Yes. But it was, but it was fun. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's fun in a way. Yes.
0: Yes. No, I, what's interesting is that I think I was kind of the opposite. I started off with yoga because I'm uh, for a quote unquote, larger bodied person, I was extremely flexible even as a kid. And so people were always kind of like, that's weird. She can touch her toes and do the splits. And she's looks like that. Like I never felt embraced in the yoga community. Um, and then I started bodybuilding and that was kind of where I found my home. I have one of those bodies that can gain muscle very easily. So all of a sudden I was completely embraced by that, which meant I got further into the disorder because, uh, like she was talking about with social media, I felt validated within the community. And every time I would post something, it was never, you're only eating what? You're working out how much? No, it was, you go girl, you rock it, way to go. I can't believe your willpower, you're amazing. I don't get that anymore. <laughs> <sighs> it's not the same, you know? So yeah, uh, fitness has its own... um I don't know what it's called, but it's like an orthorexia for fitness.
1: (laughs) It is. And there's, there's all different flavors of it. Yes. There's all different flavors of it. I, I dabbled in CrossFit for a little bit and that community was real into the, like the paleo thing, you know, and then you like get over to the gym and you have the bodybuilding people. And I'm sure you were a part of this as well, where it's like little Tupperwares of, you know? Absolutely. Chicken and rice and and broccoli. So now that we've kind of gone
0: into this disorder of fitness. Yeah. Let's talk about something completely different. Like that's what diet culture tells us is that we have to worry about our appearance as we do fitness. What are the benefits that are not appearance related? And why should
1: we, why should we embrace those? So, so there are so many, but And I want to lead with this. I want to lead with this. You shouldn't have to do anything you don't want to do. I always encourage my clients to lead with their values first. Mm -hmm. And, and that involves just thinking of like, if, if you think of like all the different things a person could possibly value, like go through the alphabet, you know, I'm just, I'm throwing some things out there that are important to me, um, independence, freedom, being helpful, being a feminist, being able to, gosh, I can't even think of other things right now. Those are just the ones that come top of mind right away. But everybody has, has different things, you know, finding calm, finding peace, spending time with family, like you could go on and on and finding ways to tie movement to the things that you value can literally take you in a gajillion different directions with this right so i'm gonna give a concrete example i like to feel like a badass badassery is a value of mine i like to be helpful and i like to feel like i'm being independent so the other day my husband got these chairs delivered and i'm actually i'm sitting this chair i'm sitting on right now okay. uh,
0: <laughs> very nice. got these
1: got these <laughs> chairs delivered and we had to bring them into the house and down into the basement. And I was able to help him carry those chairs. And I was thinking to myself, reasons why I lift, mm. you know? And so for me, strength training ties into that value of like wanting to be helpful and carry the chairs down those stairs, but also wanting to, live independently and, and be able to do things sometimes by myself without asking for help, even if that involves like moving furniture or, yes. you know, who knows, like lifting a car up and yes, saving a child. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making that up, but do you know what I mean? So that's a value of mine, but I think we could take this in any number of different directions. In addition, if we're talking just general benefits mental health is so huge and the power of just being able to release your stress through whatever movement of choice you're doing. I have some clients that will come in and one of them, it's my favorite. She'll be like, I need to bench, bench press about some things, That's cute. Things I'd like to bench press about. <laughs> I'm like, great, let's do it. But, you know, everybody has their different way that they like to take that. Some people like to run, some people yeah. like the calm of being able to practice yoga. And sometimes it's just plain fun. You think about when we were kids, you watch a little kid, what do they do? They run in circles and they scream and they spin and they like jump on things and they climb on things and it's fun. And it still can be, it still can be, but only if we disconnect it from the garbage messaging that's told that our only option is to try to be the after photo. I get so
0: riled up about transformation photos, photos, I guess, because for the longest time I had a binder of them. I kid you not. Every magazine I would buy, if the person was my height, it was my, they can do it, I can do it collection. It was awful. Wow. It was awful. This is next level. Oh, yeah. I was hardcore. But when I think about it now and how destructive that was to my psyche, it was just, it, it was just awful. So, yeah, transformation stories can be even more even than the disordered way I went into dieting and exercising and how far I went into that, the transformation stories kept me going because it was like proof, right? It was something I could point to. And what nobody tells you and what never comes out unless you start dipping your toe into the kind of things that is going on in the body liberation movement is that studies are very clear that 95 to 98% of diets don't work. So you could literally take that binder two years later and plop it in the garbage because none of those people probably kept that weight off.
1: I call that after the after Mm. and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody talks about after the after. And I think that was some, one of the reasons why I actually started doing the work that I do online. It's one of the reasons that I started a blog that I started an Instagram is because I wanted to be like, Hey, this is what happens after the after mm. nobody's talking about what happens like six months after your whole 30, Yeah. but that was the end of the end for me. Yes.
0: Yes we're not abnormal. Like I think for the longest time, I thought that I was the weird one that I couldn't keep it off. You know, you think you're the one who's the problem that I don't have. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But like you (laughs) said, nobody talks about it. So um, for me before and after pictures were really the, uh, like I said, the catalyst that kept me going. It was the thing that kind of pushed me forward, but for a lot of people, it's social media. So what do you think are the Uh, negative aspects around social media in terms of fitness. And what kind of things do you kind of recommend your clients do to kind of get out of some of that negativity on social media?
1: Curate, 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 unfollow that shit. (laughs) And it's sneaky. And people that we follow change too. And we change and evolve. An account, an account that might have served you, even at the beginning of your body liberation journey, you might start to realize the further that you go along that path and the more that you grow, that you've actually outgrown that account or or that person and the content that, that they're sharing. Because like we mentioned before, it's a process, right? And there's a lot of gray area in there. And everyone's going to fall at a different place on that spectrum. So be aware I say of how this stuff makes you feel. There's a lot of stuff that's very obvious, like if somebody's posting before and after photos, delete that stuff. But also there's other sneaky things too, like the people that post their reverse before and after photos, but they're still in a socially acceptable body, anyway. Yeah. Yes. So there's things like that, or there's even I don't even know how to put it. It's messaging that's like halfway there, but not all the way mm-hmm. there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like love, love your body, but like, look at me in my green juice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But still, cut up those vegetables and put them at the front of the fridge.
1: Great. <laughs> right. It's not about the weight loss, but also imposing it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: And, you know, I love what you say about um, on our journeys, we're going to change. So maybe at the beginning, it does serve you to see those reverse before and afters. Cause all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's what the after after looks like. Especially if you're still in a societally acceptable sized body. Um, yes. You know, I, I mean, I could see how that could be helpful for some people. And I know when I, uh, came out of my eating disorder, it was helpful for me to see that. Uh, but I think the point I'm at, in my journey now, which I don't want to say is an upward trajectory. It's just an evolving trajectory. Uh, It's, you know, that's not helpful for me anymore. So I am exactly on board with what you're saying about curating. It makes all the difference.
1: Yeah. And constantly checking yourself. And I think too, asking yourself at all times, what's actually true for you? Mm -hmm because it's really easy to get stuck following somebody and really being inspired by their work and it's important to know that they're a human too. Everyone is just a human on their own journey and just because somebody says that you should like this style of movement or you know this is joyful and this is not and and you shouldn't do this and like you should take a rest day or you should work or whatever. What's true for you? I've said this before, but like no excuses and just rest are kind of two dismissive statements on the opposite end of the spectrum. Because just rest is not so easy for a lot of people, especially if they're coming from a really disordered place. So that feels dismissive, you know, same thing with like the no excuses thing. Also super dismissive, Mm. two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like what's true for you.
0: Mm. I love that. You're, yeah, you're dead on. And these types of like pithy little phrases get thrown out so often, Uh, especially in diet culture. I used to read a lot of magazines. I imagine now social media is the uh, magazine for younger than me, millennials. Um, (laughs) and these type of pithy comments are just sort of without thinking and without nuance and without, um, any kind of depth to them. And that's unfortunate. Um, she does talk about the difference between body positivity, body acceptance and body neutrality. And I'm wondering if that was ever a distinction you ever made with any of your clients, and if it's something that ever that brought anything up when you were reading it, if there was anything, uh, any thoughts around that.
1: I have so many thoughts on that. Mm. Um, okay, so body positivity, and I want to put like body positivity in air quotes because that's, I think the thing that most people think they're doing and actually have no idea what it is. I have actually stopped using the label body positive for myself because full disclaimer, I'm not a fat girl. I'm a straight size white woman and body positivity was not made for me. And if you're listening to this and you look like me, it was not intended for us. I'm sitting with this for a minute because I'm thinking about where I want to go with it next, but, but truly the body positivity movement (laughs) came out of the fat acceptance movements. And over the years, it's gotten watered down and diluted and overtaken by, and I'm calling out my demographic here, but like thin white women crunching over to like make themselves into having like a role, in air quotes, and so i don't necessarily identify with that so much anymore or even feel that i have the place to speak from that place because it's not my movement to talk about mm. i think that the mainstream interpretation is body po- of body yeah. words hard <laughs> of body positivity is like the love of your body mm-hmm. thing and And that can be really hard. And to be honest, I will actually never tell my clients they have to do that. People like to interpret it as that. I have never once said, love your body. To be (laughs) honest, that kind of makes me want to gag a little bit. Um, Body acceptance is, to me, more of a making peace with, with where you are, whether or not you like it. I think it's where we all are in this pandemic right now. Like, it's kind of sucks. Here we are, month 115, still <laughs> wearing a mask, yeah. still inside. Yep. You know, but it is what it is. And we're going to accept it and go about our day. And to me, body acceptance is kind of the same thing. Like, like it or not, it is what it is. We maybe don't have as much control over it as we thought we did. And, let's continue living anyway. Yeah. And body neutrality at least to me is kind of similar except for it's more of a, not giving your body so much of a thought, you know, which I think is a great place to be a great place to be. If we're honest, just letting go of your appearance and not thinking about like, Oh, this is beautiful. This is ugly, whatever. And just letting it exist and leaving space in your brain to think about and do other more important things.
0: And what has your relationship been like with your body in terms of body acceptance and body neutrality?
1: I'm not going to lie. I think I've had a fairly easy journey Mm. because I went from, and it's obviously a little bit different and it's nuanced, right? Because I was a dancer, still am a dancer, Um, but joked as I was a dancer and I would be like trying whatever diet and, you know, going for a run before <laughs> rehearsal or whatever. And people would be like, you're fine. What are you doing? And would be like, I'm fine for a regular person, but not for a dancer. And that's the kind of body that I ended up in after discontinuing this like constant pursuit of thinness and compulsive exercise the difference between me being super disordered and just kind of doing whatever I want, isn't very big at all Mm. because genetics, I wish you could see my face right now. Yes. (laughs) You know? So for me, there was definitely a little bit of like mourning of that thin ideal and going to dance class and having to look at myself in the mirror and feeling like I was the, the biggest person in the room at that time but knowing that I was still in a socially acceptable body
0: maybe the the spectrum if somebody was watching you there's not a lot of difference but within yourself there was obviously a shift and i think that there was a big shift it's that's i mean and people can't see that <laughs> no i mean people people could see it on me because i i there was a very big difference between, cause I, I, I did bodybuilding shows. So mm-hmm. I did bodybuilding shows to now they can see it on me. <laughs> right. This brought up a lot for me when she started going through body positivity, body neutrality, body acceptance, and even mm-hmm. plunking in fat acceptance in there, because I feel, I think maybe like you did in that fat acceptance, when she started talking about it and body positivity, I felt like they're separate things now. Like, yes, body positivity may have came out of fat acceptance but nowadays when I think of body positivity I think of it as a marketing ski I think dove commercials like all over the place and for me that is not very relevant to what I'm trying to do with fat acceptance and even body acceptance and so I was sort of like "Ah, I'm not sure if I just not sure she tackled it in a way I would have I guess
1: Mm -hmm. it's you're spot on with the dove commercials thing and it's I believe that it's Jess Baker, and I'm I'm sure that you've read her books. She talks about Lisa Frank Bobo, mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: which is just like this, you know, like rainbows and sunshine and sparkles yes. and yes, it it almost feels fake. But it yeah. almost feels like this, like made up version of like this is fine, everything yes. is fine, like yes. I feel like it's one of those things that's really
0: marketable. And I feel like it is um, a complete whitewashing of a lot of people's existence. I feel like it's, I feel like body positivity, there's a lot of people who would say, oh yeah, body positivity, that's awesome. And in the same breath would say, but you can't be like 400 pounds or something and and be body positive. Like those same people still think they're being body positive. They're not recognizing at all that. (laughs) that's actually pretty fat phobic and (laughs) not at all what the movement was about. Right.
1: So they think, they think they're being body positive and then they post a before and after photo and are like, I love both, but I love this one better. Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) And you just scratch your head a little bit and go, you're using the hashtag wrong. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that got brought up that I thought was interesting was that Tally Rye offers a little bit of a warning about nutrition and personal trainers. What were your thoughts
1: around that? Yes. If I could shout anything from the rooftop, personal trainers are personal trainers. Personal trainers are not a nutrition or dietitian unless they are also that thing. Meaning like, unless your personal trainer also happens to be a registered dietitian, has additional education around that, they should not be giving you nutrition advice or a meal plan beyond like drink some water and make sure you're eating enough. <laughs> and it it becomes this thing, a lot of personal trainers are really working out of their scope of practice and prescribing people meal plans and telling them what to eat Oftentimes from a place that's not really based in any science, but based on their personal experience. And I mean, truth be told, I was guilty of that at some point, sending people recipes like, mm-hmm. do this, it works for me. Yep. And they believe you because you're a personal trainer, but don't listen to your personal trainer for nutrition advice unless they're also a registered dietitian. Yes. yes. How much training when you do your personal
0: training, do you actually get on nutrition?
1: Like one chapter, (laughs) one chapter in a textbook.
0: Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically, it's the same education and every certification is different or less than the college nutrition class that anybody that went to college probably took as an elective. that one time. Right, right. Maybe even less than. If the listeners need any point of reference on
0: this, I had Dahlia Kinsey. She is a registered dietitian on, and we talked extensively about the amount of information that a registered dietitian gets on nutrition. So uh, just as a counter reference on that, (laughs) you can go look up that episode just to, just to see the difference. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, you're right. I mean, when I think about my, um, experience, I would have listened to my personal trainer. And actually I think I did, there was a couple times, I think they did give me meal plans. And I think I did try to do them because you just assume that the two go hand in hand because diet culture has put it out that way. Um, she also says that, uh, because so many trainers do it, they think that they have to do it. Did you ever felt feel that way that that was something that you had to do because so many other people offer it?
1: Yes and no. So I feel that I gave more unsolicited nutrition advice when I was teaching group fitness because I would run like week long boot camp programs and send people nutrition advice that was well out of my scope of practice. Like guilty is charged here. Mm-hmm. By the time that I really got into personal training, what I found more often was that my clients would ask me for nutrition advice and I would then refer them to my friendly neighborhood dietitian. Mm. but they wouldn't want to then pay another fee to go see that person. Oh, yeah. They would be hoping that I would just like, you know yeah infuse things like just like talk about it with them in between their like reps and sets and i'm like "Eh, no actually like why don't you go see my friend and of course they never would right
0: i i mean i never really thought about it and i think a lot of people probably don't think about it that there is like you said you get like a few hours worth of training on nutrition if that Mm -hmm. we don't even think we're asking someone who has a few hours worth of training (laughs) like yep there's there's better sources. I, I don't think yeah. people really think about it. One thing that this book does is talks about intuitive eating, which I think is great because, mm-hmm. as you know, being in this world, it is definitely something that comes up quite a bit. But one of the cool things was that she took that whole framework, which intuitive eating is the ten principles, and plops it into kind of a um, uh, plops it into fitness, basically, mm-hmm. and tries to kind of set it up as a structure for intuitive movement. So I guess my first question is what's been your experience with intuitive eating, if any, and what did you think of moving this framework into movement exclusively?
1: I actually love that she did that. And I'm not going to lie. I actually wish I had done it first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I, I think it's a wonderful, um, it's there. There are a lot more parallels with exercise and and movement and food than I think a lot of people realize. So I thought that was that was brilliant and it was a really good idea. I found intuitive eating after my last my last diet. Uh, I mentioned this before, but I just was like, "Fuck this! I'm done. I can't do it anymore." And I felt like that was the only way for me. So what I did is I dove into the book. I got the workbook. I didn't work exclusively with an intuitive eating counselor for an extended period of time, but I did see a dietitian for, for a short while that kind of helped me navigate my way through it in the short term. And then I just kind of branched out on my own. Yeah. But that's, I would consider myself to be an intuitive eater now.
0: Mm, hmm. Mm-hmm. And so which of these principles, I guess, that she kind of pulled out and put in this fitness framework, would you say you liked the most? Or maybe that was something that you always make sure you use when working with clients? What kind of things do you think we should pull out
1: of this? Oh, gosh, do I have to choose just one? Oh, no. um, you could definitely choose more than one. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go with number one initially, which is reject the diet mentality, because I think if you're going to even do one thing, when it comes to fitness, you have to do that first. And it's figuring out how to let go of that dream that I think a lot of us have that you're going to like change your body and be this transformation photo. And let go of that so that you can dig back into it and find ways to, to move and a motivation for working out, out that's beyond changing the way that, that you look, because there are all different ways that you could set a goal, mm-hmm. all different ways, but mm-hmm. we're not, we're not given that. So I think if I had to choose just one, that would be, that would be the big one. And then two, um, which I believe is number eight, if she went in order, is this idea of, of respecting your body because we all weren't meant to be the same size. And diet culture would have us believe that. like We weren't all meant to be skinny. We weren't all meant to look like that influencer that we follow that tells you that you just need to do these six exercises for toned arms. Yes, like maybe it wasn't for us, you know. Yes,
0: let's. I, I want to go. Uh, you said a lot in there, but I want to go back to what you were saying about goals. Not just it's not about weight. So, what are yeah. some other ways that? So, let's say somebody's listening and they are already doing fitness. They they are already moving their bodies. How can they start to pull away from using things like the scale or measurements? What other things can they use to? Make them feel like they're doing something that they want to, some type of a performance goal.
1: Okay. So come back to your values first and foremost, um, because that's going to guide what kind of goal that you want to set. And while I think we need to be careful that we're not replacing like the value of the number on the scale for like the value of the weight that you can lift It can be a stepping stone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a gray area that we play in, right? And there's also also times where you may need to disconnect yourself from all goals, if we're being honest, and Mm -hmm. just find movement purely for the joy of it and let go of, like, the pursuit of something. And then later, as you're further along in your journey, you can decide what things you're ready to see as neutral data. Does that make Mm. sense?
0: Yes. I love that. And I I tell my
1: clients this, I tell my clients this all the time because I run an online group fitness coaching program. And I have an app that we use where they can enter notes for themselves. They can write, you know, how many reps they did or how much they lifted or whatever, because it's a strength training program. And I'm always telling them like, just because this is here, you don't need to use it. You can just do the workout for, for the enjoyment of it. <laughs> and, and that's okay. Like you have to know where you are in your journey. Right. And this is right. This is where asking yourself those tough questions really yes. comes in. Yes. yes. You have to know yourself and ask yourself, like, am I making this measure mean something about me? Yes or is it neutral? So there's that first. Um, Then if we're going into this a little bit more disconnecting, like, yes, you can have a performance based goal. Learning new skills can be a really valuable and cool one. If you're somebody that likes new experiences, trying a new activity, deciding that you want to take something that you've never been able to do before and, and work towards being able to do that. Thing that can be like a lifting thing, as I mentioned, that could be you know, getting like getting your first pull up or like learning how to do a handstand. I'm just throwing random things out there, but but things like that can be really helpful. Um, connecting with community that's huge, making it a social thing. I know that's really hard right now. That's online, is really the only way that we have to do that. But connecting with others can be, can be a valuable thing. Mm. Like if
0: somebody started their journey, I know for me, I started my journey. um, Exercise was a really big part of my disorder. It was a really big part of, of um, my eating disorder. And so it was kind of the last thing I tackled. And I didn't even really mean to, I thought I had a quote unquote, good handle on, my body's fitness and, and what it was about it that was good and bad. And no, I was still wrapped up in diet culture. And even, you know, even once I started my intuitive eating journey, I really, it took me a long time before I realized, you know what, I'm just effing tired. I have been working out since I was 10 years old and I just need a break. Yeah. It took me a very long time to step back and say, diet culture is never going to tell you that you should take a year off.
1: It's just never going to do that, but that's maybe what you need. (laughs) Learning to let yourself rest can be a really valuable goal. You just jogged my memory for another one. Um, Mm -hmm. and to that point, knowing that you don't have to rest for a whole year or go all out. And sometimes that can be a really hard thing for people to embrace is like, I'm always telling my clients, like you can half-ass your workout. And by that, I don't mean like use bad form or whatever, but you have full-on permission to do like 10 minutes and be like, nope, not not for me today. Mm. Oh, I love that. We don't give ourselves permission no, to do that enough. Really it's always either no. like like balls to the wall or nothing at all.
0: Yes, that's so true.
1: All or nothing will get you in into so much trouble. So if the person's already in fitness, I
0: think you've got a ton of stuff that they can do. If somebody's new, like, so I have, like I said, I've taken a good amount of time right now off of fitness. I'm slowly starting to come back. I'm looking at some stuff that, I'm actually excited about doing. So, you know, I'm slowly starting to come back. What kinds of things, if someone has never really been into fitness or they've always been into it, but it's always been attached to a diet, can they, should they slowly start to look at doing as like beginner steps kind of thing?
1: (laughs) It's, it depends. It depends. First thing I would ask that person is, is what they're, what they're interested in doing. If somebody comes to me because I'm a personal trainer. A personal training session is going to look very different than like doing a group fitness class or trying aerial yoga or going for a walk or like any of those numbers of things. So, if somebody's coming to me as a personal trainer, I think virtually anything at the gym is going to be accessible to them depending on what variation we choose. So, the first thing I always ask my clients is, what are you interested in? Like, look at this gym as a playground. Is there any piece of equipment that you wanna learn how to use? What have you seen that you want to learn how to do? Because there's this like mystifying of I think weights in particular, and a lot of um, like women or people, um, people who identify as female don't feel welcome in that weight section. And maybe this was a different experience for you as a bodybuilder, but I find it can be really intimidating. So I love teaching, teaching women. And I love how Tally did this because she talked about like different types of movements, um, or different like body movements within strength training and how to put that together within a workout. And I really, I really loved that because anybody that comes to me, I'm going to give them You know, some sort of variation of a squat, a hinge, a push and a pull, but it's going to be tailored to what they need. Like everybody can do some variation Mm. of those things. It's just, you know, it might not be like a barbell back squat straight right. from the get go. Right. We can work towards that if you want to, or or we right. can not. And that's totally right. fine. So yeah. from a personal training perspective, that's how I introduce it. From yes. a general movement perspective, I come back to those values. Like what's important to you? A lot of my clients are really big into nature. They love to do things like hiking or paddle boarding. Things like that can be can be wonderful. Yes. You know, you look at one person and and they are really excited about running or training for a 5k. There's like a lot of like charity runs and and things like that. That's really cool for some people. Other people who had a more disordered relationship with exercise in the past might be like nope, no, thank you. <laughs> Not going to <Yeah>. run. Yeah. <laughs> it's from there. No. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think that it's fair for me to just give like one activity or one thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna figure out what's important to you and also how you want to feel. Yeah. If you wanna feel calm and just like chill and at peace, then something like yoga is gonna be great for you. If you're full of rage, you may wanna learn how to snatch a kettlebell. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Well, I I love how you're
0: putting this all into a context. It's not just about grabbing the first plan you see, like grabbing Tally's book cuz she does have an exercise plan in there and just yeah. saying, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is just it." Like it's it's about kind of getting in touch with yourself first. And I, I really like that. I think that that's a beautiful approach.
1: Yeah, and one thing one of the things that I liked about her plan that she talked about because she has like literal exercises in the book that you can do if you want to. But she also talks about what a week might look like, you know, where like, and different ways that you could split that up. So depending on what you like, you know, you might lift weights twice a week and do yoga once a week and go for a walk once a week, or you might go through like three walks and do a, you know, a dance class and, and ride your bike one day, like it. It really just depends. Yes. And I think the really cool thing is that when you're able to make peace with this stuff, and and find a community, which is so hard, um, and finding a like a, a fitness professional or somebody that you can work with, that's able to show you the way, so that you feel comfortable with this as the beginner, you have all these tools in your toolbox. So. You can wake up in the morning and decide, "Mm, I'm kind of feeling like this today. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I got two last questions for you. The first one is, let's say somebody has read this book and they come to you and they say, oh, I really like that book. It was really good. I'm, you know, totally embracing all this intuitive movement stuff. Where should I go next in terms of a book to read?
1: Okay. So I'm actually going to take this in a different direction because-
0: perfect.
1: I can honestly say I don't know of any other intuitive movement books that I could recommend because I literally haven't read them because not that many of them exist no No, it's
0: true
1: they really don't exist I will say this it's not exactly intuitive movement um there's one called the joy of movement I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right um Kelly McGonigal it's it's not exactly related to intuitive movement movement from the Mm anti-diet perspective as Mm -hmm. we know it um but it's a very interesting read about exercise and its connection with like happiness and just just overall well-being yeah so that's a really interesting read Again, not quite write right down the right the anti diet rabbit hole, right? But definitely a good one to check out. And then, if we're talking about this, before anybody takes a deeper drive, deeper dive, I have to put in a plug for like the old school, like original books on this stuff. Like, please make sure that you have read Intuitive Eating go for the fourth edition uh, by Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush before you decide you have an opinion on it. I always say, if you haven't read the book, you don't get to have an opinion. And actually, had yeah, Julian Michaels. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to bypass health at every size and say body respects mm-hmm. by Linda Bacon and Lucy Affermore because it's, It covers a lot of the material in health at every size, but it's just a a little bit more up to date. And even, even they've admitted that there was like some maybe problematic stuff in the original book. So body respect is another good one. Make sure that you read that before you decide you have an opinion on health at every size. And then Tally mentioned this in her book, and it's one of my favorites. She talks about uh, the beauty myth by Naomi Wolf, Mm, mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: which just dives into a lot of these beauty standards, which I really think tie in with like fitness standards, you know? Yep. That one was really high up there for me because it just got me so angry.
0: Oh, so angry. Yes. So angry. (laughs) I mean it's not the easiest read. The Beauty Myth, the other two I feel are pretty easy reads. They might be uh uh-huh. you know bigger books, but The Beauty Myth I found was a little more academic.
1: Uh-huh. Um
0: but yeah, classics. Awesome. That's a wonderful book list.
1: <laughs> yeah. So make sure make sure you get those ones first. That's that's a solid foundation and then and then from there I would say Notice, notice where resistance is coming up for you when, when you're reading any of this stuff. And by reading, I mean, like if you're reading a book, if you're reading it on Instagram, if you're reading someone's blog, if you're even listening about it and somebody says something that kind of makes you a little uncomfortable, that's probably a signal that you maybe need to go down that direction because there are all sorts of different, different pathways you could take with this stuff.
0: So many So I totally agree. There's so many, there's so much here to, to read about, to learn about, to discuss. There really is. Yeah,
1: there is for sure.
0: Well, that was great. That was amazing. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find you and what about some of the cool stuff you've got going on
1: right now? Sure. So you can find me on social media, Instagram, primarily I'm at it's Jenna J. And then my website has a blog that is very extensive about all of this stuff. So it's J.com is my website and I run an online group coaching program. It's called tough love strength club and i wanna i wanna give you a little little caveat with this because i had somebody comment on my instagram the other day that they didn't like that i used the word tough love because it screamed Chili and michaels oh <laughs> i'm taking back the tough love i'm taking back the tough love so if if you like the way that i speak about this stuff and And the way that I call out bullshit in the fitness industry, that's exactly, exactly the kind of coach that I am. I'm offering uh, a free, a free 10 days of coaching with me. It's called Taste of Tough Love, which is essentially the sort of thing where you get to try on working with me, try on some strength training, try to deconstruct your beliefs around what fit, quote unquote, actually looks like. And you know, the tough love is where I just come in there and be like, "Hey, put your Fitbit away, leave it alone. Your workout still counts if you don't track it. Stop it. That's the tough love. Love it. That's the tough love. But you can learn about all those things uh, on my website, and I'll be talking about it a lot on Instagram in the next uh, next couple of weeks.
0: Awesome. That is fantastic. Well. I encourage everyone to go check you out. I love your Instagram. I think it's amazing. So definitely go check her out for sure. And uh, thank you so much for coming on Fat Girl Book Club. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. Quite honestly, my relationship with body movement, as you probably heard throughout that conversation, has been fraught. (laughs) And I was just excited to be able to talk to Jenna at this point where I am right now in body movement because I am about to, to start on a practice that I think is going to really work for me and my needs. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I hope you are excited about whatever your relationship is with body movement, whether that is taking a break, taking a rest, taking some time, or if it's regularly regularly, doing something that's structured and everything in between. I mean, there's so many different things here and I love how Jenna brought it back to your values. And I think that that's really important and vital for us to remember and catch on to. Okay. Before I go, I just want to remind you again that if you are interested in talking to people, talking to other people about a body acceptance book, about getting together and talking about how these books affect our lives I really encourage you to get on my email list so that you can talk with us. You can get my weekly emails about a book. Right now it's Beauty Sick by Renee Engel. You will get a weekly email and then you can jump into the Facebook group and chat to us about these books. Obviously, because this book club is very new, we will be building on it. So hopefully by the end of the month, I will have figured out out a way for us to meet, do some type of a virtual meetup to discuss the book. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I hope you are too. Keep reading everyone.